It is October the 30th, 2023. And the Bulls take care of Kentucky once again. What the hell is new? Water is wet. Grass is green. Austin, I know you've been keeping up with it this morning and this afternoon, but there's Sports Talk Radio up in the parts of Kentucky, KSR Radio. They seem to be losing their minds up there on uh, their sports talk radio when it comes to talking about the balls. Uh, Joe Milton played pretty pretty damn well in this game. Uh, the running attack seems to be unstoppable. Balls basketball is kicking back up in the gear after the exhibition against Michigan State. They look pretty dead gum good. And we have a new star emerging, it seems, for the Tennessee Balls and Dalton is it connect? Dalton connect? Like connect four? Dalton connect? Um, but Halloween is tomorrow because it is October the 30th. Mm. And before the podcast, I was eating some candy. And I I, I was just kind of kind of thinking, like, what, what's you guys' favorite candy? Uh, like, what is your favorite candy bar? If you could choose one. Snickers? Snickers. Mine, I'm a Reese Cup addict. So Reese cups, cups are top, are top notch. Yeah, I've recently become a Three Musketeer kind of guy. I think Three Musketeers are pretty, pretty good. I don't know; they've grown on me a whole lot uh, over the past couple of years. But uh, love Snickers and I love Reese pieces. So there's no argument here. What's your uh, favorite candy? But let's dive right into it. Austin, you are at the game on Saturday. You made the trip to Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. I've been there one time. It was a while back. How was the atmosphere? How was the vibe? And how much did Kentucky fans think they were going to win that game? Not that much, I don't think. They mostly were they, – they know it's Tennessee. They, they know they, – they, you get that vibe. They kind of are just uncomfortable the whole day and just kind of have that vibe of you know what's coming. They're, they're not talking – they weren't talking as much trash as they, they did the one other time I went up there. I don't know. I mean, I was pretty nervous. I mean, I was, I mean, I thought we'd win, but same time it's on the road, which Kentucky, like comparing it to any other SEC atmosphere, it's not even close, but still it's on the road. Technically, even though there's a lot of Tennessee fans there, it, it was a, it was a fun night, but you know where it's not very fun. It's down those coal mines, baby. Woo! We own you. 36 out of the last 39 we've won. We own you. We will always own you. Tennessee will always, will always be above your cats. I don't care what year it is, except for those, unless we're firing a coach, we're going to own you. You know what's sad um, is we own them in football, and now they have a really hard time beating us in basketball. So their life is just completely, completely miserable. Before we go any further, so let you know, I'm your host, Randy, alongside my good friend, Austin Brown, and our good friend, uh, Jordan Moore. Channel podcast, October 30th. Let's continue talking the ass beating that Tennessee always puts on Kentucky. Can you imagine being a Kentucky fan? I mean, it's like us being a, a Tennessee fan trying to beat Florida. It's the same thing. It's like, we can't ever beat you. It's, it's weird. No matter what. Their, their mentality about football 
it's just I just couldn't imagine thinking the way they do. I listened to the whole KSR post game because I'm a sicko, and I I enjoy that kind of thing. I just enjoy it. I I don't ask what's wrong with me. I don't know, but the whole vibe was just like, what more do you want? Is that that that's essentially their whole vibe of the host Matt Matt Jones. He just basically they this is as good as it gets essentially. They, their peak is winning 10 games with the easiest schedule known to man and still losing to a bad Tennessee team. <laughs> that, that was the height of the Stoops era. And um, yeah, that's where they are right now. Like their great years are usually like a year one for us, you know, or a good year one, I guess. Yeah, under yeah, yeah. Well, we've had bad days. We've had really bad coaches occasionally, but I just... <laughs> It's crazy for them, but us, we needed that win. That was a win you really needed to have. That's the difference. I mean, that I don't was know going to happen at Missouri or at home against Georgia, but the floor is now pretty much eight wins, yeah. which that's the, that'd be the third best, that that would be the second best regular season record in the last 15 years of Tennessee football. Yeah. I mean, tight. Um, the, the atmosphere, how is the atmosphere? And then after this, Jordan, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of get your biggest takeaway of the game. But, Austin, how was the atmosphere? It looked like it was not horrible up there. It looked like it was actually kind of fun a little bit. But that's TV. TV can make things look fun. Well, it, it, it was better than the last time I was there, I'd say. They were they were up for the game. They were up for we, us going up 10-0 to start. That kind of dampened them a little bit. But, it, it you know, you always hear that t- they copy Tennessee, but it really does feel like they copy Tennessee. They had like their own mini little firework thing, and they did these smoke things. Like they were trying. I saw the smoke things. What? What the hell were those? Like, I don't know. Like a man. soccer game? They're trying to be a soccer game, like an MLS team or something like that. I guess they were trying. Yeah, to make it like a soccer because I don't know. Yeah, that's what they thought football was. Probably but, um, that too. So it's it was. You could tell they were trying things out. They're trying to show off what little they invested that year. Um, it, you, you could tell, like, because I listened to their KSR post game for last year's Tennessee game, and the t- Kentucky fans that went to the game, they were like, "Holy crap!" After the game, because of our atmosphere, our fireworks, our everything, and you know they weren't going to do a full, you know, new light system like we did, or um, make these giant fireworks. They were gonna do it the Kentucky way. And that means, you know, go to wish.com and try and yeah. get whatever half-assed version of Neil and yeah. you could, you could muster. Let's, let's, let's make, it as, yes. let's make it as much like Neil and as we possibly can. So let's just like put a bunch of smoke in there. So no one can see anything. That's a good idea. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get what that was. Um, let's I mean, just like the place on fire, you know? Yeah. I, I was thinking, I remember Colorado got in trouble for, you know, the PA system was keeping the snap or messing with like communication, for the other team, and they, they almost got a penalty. I wonder if you could have got a penalty on Kentucky because of those smoke machines. Yeah, I, I mean it was it was really it was really odd because like uh, me and Jordan were, of course, you know, we're sitting here back uh, at home watching watching the game, and it's like it comes back on TV, and there's just like so much smoke. You're like, what the hell happened in this stadium? <laughs> it happened so gradually. I didn't even notice it was happening until it we started playing and we're like what the hell is this <laughs> like something blow up at like the intermission or like during commercial break like what the hell is happening let's just play some fire right now like i don't know but but um 
to get to get further into the game, uh, Jordan, I want to get your take. What? It's kind of put a spot, put you on the spot with the question. Not a very hard question, but um, what? Like your biggest takeaway from that game? There's this team seems to to just do something different every single week. It's like the most unpredictable, weird team I've ever seen at UT. It's just they end up keeping it close or or winning or blowing the lead or vice versa. I don't know, man. But what this week? What was the biggest like takeaway? I know you mentioned before the podcast, like penalties are just getting outrageously ridiculous, but um, I didn't know if that was it, but, but what, what is your response to that? Before I answer the question, a couple of things, Austin mentioned that he's been up there a couple of times. I've been once and it's when we lost with Derek Dooley. That's the only <laughs> time that I've been to Lexington. Lord. And no, there's right. a funny, there, there's a funny story about that. That was like at the time me and my wife were dating. That was like our third date. And I was so mad on the way home, I broke up with her in the car. So that's how mad I that's how mad I was that we lost to Kentucky. Um, oh, and we lost, you know, a wide receiver playing quarterback. Um, and then, you know, she has family that are from Kentucky, and, and her uncle is a massive Kentucky fan. Like, just shoot, all he wears is Kentucky gear all the time. So every year, I send him the annual "We whipped your ass" text after the football game. So he immediately got that. You know, he writes me back the next morning mad about it. I'm like, well, just wait here in a couple of months and Rick Barnes will give your basketball Wildcats a, you know, a beating mm-hmm. two times also. So uh, it's fun. And I'm, I'm with Austin. So last year I actually found KSR and started listening like what Austin does. Yeah. And I listened leading up to the game last year, and they were extremely confident that they were coming to Neyland and beating us. And, I mean, extremely confident. And to hear their postgame show last year, and, like, last year they were down because they really thought they had a chance, right? Like, they were really upset. And this year it was just like they didn't. They knew they didn't have a chance. It was just – I felt you almost feel bad for them because it's like they get – it's like us for the last 15 years, right? Like, we get our hopes up with the crap coaches that we've had. And then we get into the season and we get let down and it's just sad. Like, that's how they are after every Tennessee game now. And it, it's, Jordan, it never gets hey, old Jordan. in Kentucky. It never, it never Jordan, gets old. Jordan, I don't, yeah. Jordan I, don't, I don't feel bad for them at all. No. Just for me, just a slot because we've no. been there, right? Like, we've not as bad as them, but like 15 years of bad coaches, you know. Listen, as far as the game goes. Yeah. Go ahead. As far as the game goes, like my takeaways are one, you never know what Tennessee team you're going to get on the road at this point. I mean, you know, we have three years of evidence to, to know now with Hopple, it's a crap shoot, deciding which team you're going to get on the road. Um, the, la- the last two games, Joe Milton has played extremely well, a lot better than, you know, we all thought he would in these last two games. Um, I mean, this last game is probably the best game he's had as a Tennessee ball, right? I mean, 18 to 21, Mm -hmm. 200 yards, running the football. You can tell, though, like I think I might have texted you, Randy, during the game. You can tell they still don't trust him. Like you can Mm -hmm. see it watching the game. They don't trust him. They will not let him throw the football in the middle of the field. Everything is outside the hash marks, and they do not trust him once they get into the red zone. And I think that is one of the issues of – why we're not scoring touchdowns once we get down there because they know they can at least get three. And if they let him, you know, run the playbook, they might not get anything because he may turn the football over. Um, and I think that's one of our issues with getting into the red zone. As far as the penalties go, 
at this point, that's going to be a hopple thing. I mean, it was that way at UCF, and, you know, it, it's here. It's a byproduct of how fast we go. You know, I mean, we run more plays than anybody, so you're probably going to get more penalties than anybody because of how many plays you run a game. You get some but defense, some of, too. The, the yeah. defense ones are getting a little bad, too. The de- that that was my – I text Randy this even during the game. I didn't know what the hell that defensive secondary performance was. Yeah. Like, I don't. I mean, that was bad. Even even if you were trying to sell out to stop the run and make Leary beat you, he almost beat you, okay? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a six-point ball game. You know, granted, we could have kicked the field goal and made it a nine. But going into the fourth quarter, they had just got to stop and got the ball back with a chance to go down and take the lead. So, you almost let it happen. It's almost. It was almost – Towards the end of the game, it reminded me of the Anthony Richardson game plan we had against Florida last year, yeah. where it was like, okay, we're going to shut their run down and make the quarterback beat us, and he almost did. What, what do you think about their decision on first down on their own or our forty with the being a two point game, and they're moving the ball great, and they go to the wildcat formation for no reason. <laughs> it was. I didn't understand that one. I didn't understand them kicking what was it, the 52 yard field goal with our kicker? Yeah, uh, that was weird. I was like, what are y'all doing? I, I mean, he, they said that they said on the game broadcast that he hadn't attempted a kick at, uh, since September 30th. So a month, life. a month, he hadn't attempted a, a kick. Hmm. So, and now you, you, you try him out there to kick a 52 yarder in a game like that. I didn't, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, I was like, I was like live, live, I was like tweeting during the game. And I, I don't know if you like, you know, followed followed me on Twitter or not, but you know, I've been positive rainy forever because everyone got so sick of my negativity. Um, and then and then I, I switched over to normal rainy during the game as we were just like live doing the game, and I was like being a parody. I was just saying the complete opposite of what's happening and how everything was horrible, and everyone was taking it so serious. It was the funniest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember, I remember this one comment. This guy was like, this one comment. This guy was like, but you wouldn't say that to Joe's face. I was like, yeah, he'd probably slide before he got to me. But like just, <laughs> just some stupid stuff like that, just make everybody mad. So it's pretty funny. Speaking just speaking of in, in in during the game, but the 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 field goal, man, that was that was that was odd. Like you said, he hadn't kicked field goal in a month. Yeah. You you decided to go off on Joe Milton when he had the highest QB rating. That was the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> People were losing their minds. Yeah. He played his I, best game ever at UT, and I'm just like, he's horrible. Yeah. He's the worst. And, and, and don't get me wrong, the game plan was suited around, you know, making sure he didn't make too many mistakes. But to be fair, he ran outside the pocket sometimes. He got he got he got some good passes. That one he hit to Thornton, where Thornton the DB fell down, and he took off running, and then the DB fell off, fell down covering Nimrod, and he hit him. He, he knew to look for for him right there. He had a great game. He really did that. That is your that that is a great Joe Milton performance. I he took some he took a couple sacks, I think, but one of them he really that was the best case scenario you could have managed there. He didn't have more than two seconds to think. Yeah. No, he didn't. Spragans, I don't know what the hell. He didn't. Yeah, you can you, like I said, you can tell that they're Hoppel is trying to manage the offense through this year. With Milton, like you, mm-hmm. you, you can just see it with the play calls. Like, I mean, it's it's not even going back to his Central Florida days. This isn't the offense that you're used to seeing under Hopple, right? Like, you're used to the mm-hmm. consistent deep throws, the explosive plays, 40, 50 points a game. And I, but I will say, you know, this is a sign of a good coach that is willing to adapt mm-hmm. to the personnel that he has and the you know the deficiencies that mm-hmm. he may have 
but yet we're still winning while he's having to adapt to that. That's yeah. a sign of a really good football coach. Yeah, no, you're you're correct. And like uh, I was telling a bunch of buddies after the game uh, the next day that you know, like when when you when you have something, like, there was a moment in the game where you just like you just thought with every being your butt, we're about to lose this game. Like you just you just it's kind of felt that way. Second, third quarter is like, uh, but good teams, kind of what you just said, Jordan, piggybacking off that. Good coaches, good teams, they find a way to do something to win. And that's exactly what they did. Like, they didn't lose. Like, most teams in the past, Tennessee, they would have faded. They would have folded. They mm-hmm. didn't do that. They did not do exactly. that. Exactly. And I remember talking about this heavily when we hired Heupel. The important thing here to change when he got here was to change the loser mentality. Mm-hmm. We had so many games where we would find a way to lose. BYU under Pruitt. Um, so many. <laughs> it, it, every Florida game. It would just be like – we we had everything go in our favor, but yet we'd somehow throw it in the garbage. And this this team, I mean, in them game, holy crap, we couldn't do a dang thing on offense except for maybe run some. And you know, defense stepped up. We found a way. Return kickoff. It, we, we we won that game despite all that. And against Kentucky, man, I mean, you, you sell for a good bit of field goals. Uh, I mean, we kicked four. Would have been five if that guy didn't fake an injury at the wrong time. <laughs> Did he think the clock would stop if he if he laid there? I guess. And they don't wonder why we boo. They wonder why we boo. I mean, I, I just I, it's, and and also I don't think Stoops knew like the rule when they run out of bounds with like over two minutes on the clock <laughs> that it still runs. Stoops Stoops seems like he's just when he's in the Tennessee game. I mean, I I don't watch all the Kentucky games, Stupid. but when when he's in the Tennessee game, he seems like. The guy trying to outthink himself. He does too much, and he loses yeah, the game. Exactly. It's, it's so much in his head that, mm-hmm. like you, you saw like KSR radio up there. Um, they're just losing their mind. Like we're not. Like I just want to beat them. I want to beat them. Why can't we beat? Like they're freaking. Why can't we beat this team? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I cannot understand. I don't understand. I was about to call him some Nimrods. We can get into Nimrod too. Uh, our wide receiver. Good lord, he's Jordan. He's becoming a star right, right before our eyes. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, he has the speed, too. That, that was yeah, one of the things coming out of high school that is, was the reason they recruited him out of Arkansas is because of how fast he was. Yeah. That, that's, like, the key thing they want in this offense. And you're seeing him get better each game. And you're seeing mm-hmm. him make more plays each game. And that really bodes well for next season, too, because we're going to need it next mm-hmm. year, right? And I- his ability to run by that guy – like. Yeah, the guy fell, but before he fell, Nimrod beat him off the line and ran yeah. by him, and yeah. then he fell. So it, he was open either way. It's it's one of those things. It's like you. I feel like every well, just I mean, Hypo's been here for three years, but I, I feel like every time that you know he's a year is progressing, it's like oh, this guy for next year, like Squirrel White last year. Oh, this guy next year, and now Nimrod. It's shaping up to be a pretty good little offense in the future if you're if you're looking at a big picture. I mean, I understand, you know, and I, I said this like Friday night uh, on the overtime show, right, when I called in to talk to them. It's like I, I, I get a lot of text messages throughout the week from a few people. I read Twitter, obviously, and I listen to a few shows. And I, I can understand being critical of Hopple over certain stuff, right, like some game management situation. I can understand yeah. – second guessing some of those decisions right like the nico situation i can understand 
while people would say, hey, Nico's better. I get that. But I've seen a lot of people this year get mad after a loss or get mad after a close game, questioning him as a head coach, questioning him as, you know, yeah. a, somebody over over a program, running a program. And I, I just it irritates me. Like, it, it really gets under my skin when I see people doing that because it's like yeah. he's elevated this program so much in three years. Like, people forget, like you're talking about Austin, people forget that it was just five years ago that we lost to BYU and Georgia State at home. Like, that was just five years back ago. Back to back. Right? Like, yeah. Back to back, right? I mean, we've – in the last 15 years, we've only been to seven bowl games, right? Like, you know, he's elevated this program in just a short three years. And let's not mm-hmm. only f- forget this either. When he took over the program, um, everybody said we're going to get the death penalty because of what Pruitt did. Like, I mean, that was way out there in the news of the NCAA mess that he took over. And we are we are 6-2 and two and have been ranked every single week going back to September of 2022. We have like, – Put to, we're, in the month of October, we have six wins for the first for back to back seasons for the first time since ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah, I mean and these I, are I, good days. Yeah, and I tweeted it out Sunday morning. It's only five times since nineteen ninety nine. Only five times mm-hmm. have you been bowl eligible going into the month of November. Two of those out of the five are with Hopple and back to back years. Like I get, I like, you know, I, I want perfection too, right? We all want to be Alabama, right? We all want to be the Clemson with Dabo playing for the national championships, right? We all want that. I do. But also, I think a lot of times we need to take a step back and realize, okay, he's pulled us out of a complete dumpster fire and has us back to being a consistent top 20 team in the country and competing with – like, like yeah, we lost Alabama, and we beat them last year, right? But we lost them, right? We look like we belonged on the field with Alabama in that game in Tuscaloosa. Like, physically, roster-wise, we look like we – when's the last time – in the last 15 years, you can look out there and say, okay, we belonged on the field with them. But I just, I get irritated (laughs) when a lot of people, you know, question him as a head coach. Yeah. There's things that he can get better at, obviously, but let's enjoy this ride. Because as you said earlier, Austin, he's raised the floor. The floor is Mm -hmm. now eight and four on a a yearly basis. He's raised that and let's take that and and run with it for the next Here, Here's it. Jordan, I don't don't think Jordan was on the podcast when I said this, but. I've brought this up numerous times in previous podcasts that at the beginning of the season, I said this is going to be the the floor for Josh Heupel. This may be his his worst season at Tennessee because of the, the players that left and all that stuff. But also, Heupel, in my opinion, is a victim of his own success so quick. He's he, That's that's where these people are, are acting like that because he's had so much success so quickly and so fast. They got spoiled so fast. And now mm-hmm. they're like, oh, our question is coaching. When you have to, when you lose that many players to, to you know, to to graduation and and going on to the pros, you lose playmakers like Jalen Hyatt, like Hendon Hooker, and Cedric Tillman, and you lose guys like that. It's going to take a second. You you don't have the depth that Alabama does. You don't have the depth that Georgia does. You got to build that up. It takes a second. But to sit here and say, like, look at Austin smirking. He's re- he's like reading what I sent him after the Alabama game. Oh no. <laughs> Talking him off a ledge. You know what, Austin? Uh, me and Austin can sit there and text for an hour, and it finally, after an hour, he just still doesn't understand. I'm trolling the absolute hell out of him uh, <laughs> the, the entire time, uh, just to get a rise out of him. But no, no. But what you said, Austin, is is right. Like it's just it's one of those things where he's got to build the depth up. It's gonna come. It's happening right now. You're seeing it. You're seeing freshmen. How many times in the previous seasons? Have we said, man, why can't one of our freshmen step up like one of their like these teams freshmen do? Well, guess what? They're starting to do that. 
You know why? Because we're starting to get a lot of talent. And you're going to have a, you're going to have a freshman like that every single year, step out of nowhere, come out of nowhere where you're going to be like, Oh God, this is set up really nice for the future. The difference in the Georgia Alabama's and all the other great teams throughout the years, they have competitive depth. You're able to build on top of great recruiting class after great recruiting class after great recruiting class. Hypo walked in here, 34 dudes walked out the door and we scrambled to grab what we could from the portal and whatnot. And we went and won seven games. And then, then, then the following season, we somehow won 11 I, with a bunch of dudes that were just the guys who stuck around and the same guy. get from the portal. The I mean, guy. hell, we have the 16th best roster in the country and our only two five stars. One of them is our freshman backup quarterback who hasn't played at all, really. And the other one is Rue McCoy, who's out for the year. So if you take out them, I think it's around the 22nd best roster in the country. It's we're, we're not, we still got some building. We, we are in the process of building. And then you yeah. have, you have Nimrod, you have squirrel white, you have Matthews coming in. Mm-hmm. Like this is not going to, this, this is not stopping. Like it's the, continuing. But I will say the, the thing Hypo does get advantage of is uh, when his offense is clicking on all cylinders, you can beat teams. You are less talented than. That is that is the ultimate oh yeah difference maker yeah and That's why and, last year happened that's why yeah. we won all those games I mean don't get me wrong I, we I had compared, Allen, Darnell Wright and Sarah Tillman Hyatt but I said it last year like I'm really big into college basketball right like I I'm really big into X's and O's of basketball and the statistics of basketball and everything else and I don't know like if you know if you guys know like the different offensive philosophies with basketball right like obviously Rick Barnes was a motion offense he wants to throw it inside mm-hmm. to a big right like Grant Williams. Then you have teams like we played last year in Florida Atlantic that want to play four out and shoot the three like crazy and just run the floor. I compare our football offense to Florida Atlantic's basketball offense, right? Like you can you can win a lot of games just based off those mismatches and being explosive in basketball, which is what Florida Atlantic did on the run of the Final Four. They were explosive by shooting the three, getting up and down the court. That's what we are on the football field. Like, we're an explosive basketball offense that's shooting threes because we're trying to get chunk explosive plays consistently all the time. Mm-hmm. And the point that you made, Austin, if you play like that, your, your point is excellent, is you can be you could be a lesser talented team and beat a more talented team because of this type of system you're running on the offensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. It, I will say, though, you probably need a quarterback better than Joe Milton to really do that. Uh, you I mean, can, I mean, though, you, you can win it, but eh, it's it's less likely. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you I think look at looks a little limited right now. Yeah, one hundred percent is. You look at the lowest like offensive outputs of Josh Hopple as a head coach over his what is he, basically six years now. All of them mm-hmm. are with Joe Milton. I mean, I mean, the outlier here is Joe Milton is the reason that his output offensively is a lot lower than what it has been for a six year period now. So I expect, and I would hope. That next year, Nico takes over, and you go back to what you've seen mm-hmm. as, with him as a head coach of 40, 50 point games, being explosive, throwing the football down the field. That's what I'm hoping and expecting to see next season. So, we're we- all thinking, and some of us might be thinking, well, let's throw them in right now. I, I think there is some truth to that. There is reason to want that, but I wouldn't just go out and say it will be better because I think Milton can game manage pretty well and we can win enough with him, I guess. It's a shame to kind of feel like this is the best defense he's ever had, even though they're coming off their worst performance. It, it's still the, the best defense Heupel's had here and maybe in his entire career. 
and it feels like a shame to waste it with the worst offense we ever had. Yes or no, do we see him this Saturday, Nico? God, better. Holy crap, you better. You better because I said before the Austin P game that the thing I was looking most forward to was watching Nico in the second half, and it never happened. Yeah, so you better. I, they need to put the get the, the pedal down on UConn early. Get up big and give the entire second half, all of it, to Nico and run your full offense. I the one of my biggest pet peeves with football. And this isn't just a, a this year thing. It's been for fifteen years. I hate when you put a backup quarterback in in the fourth quarter and he just hands the football off. Like what that mm-hmm. he he's getting nothing out of that behind the football off. And that's and that's that's something that that's something that Josh Heupel that you got to give kind of kudos, kind of credit to. Usually when his backups come in, he doesn't stop running the offense. He's going to let them light it up, which is yeah. – and, and and my dad, I, I just can could just hear my dad every time Butch Jones would come in and he would just let the quarterback just run handoffs. And my dad would get so freaking angry all the time. And when our backup came in, you know, last year and, you know, we haven't really seen it this year, but if he does – my dad is like, thank God we got a coach that actually lets the quarterback play and doesn't just tuck his tail and just run out the clock. Mm-hmm. Like you get and, no practice that way. And your point, Randy, like you bring up Bush Jones, like what we were talking about earlier. Okay, this is the big difference between a Bush Jones and Josh. There's a lot of differences, right? But to me, there's a big difference here, right? Bush Jones tried to run an RPO read option offense <laughs> with Justin Worley at quarterback. And it didn't work, right? Because he did, he couldn't run that. But then he puts Dobbs in, and it works because Dobbs can run. He was trying to make Justin Worley run an offense that he wasn't comfortable running. You look at Josh Hopple, and he adjusted his offense to his mm-hmm. personnel. Once again, that's the difference between a really bad coach that we know in Butch Jones and a really good coach in Josh Hopple. It's everything he does is it's it's smart. He's a, he's a really smart guy. I I, I trust him. I trust Josh Hopple one hundred and ten percent. I think he would have probably done something different if he knew how this all would have gone. I think he would have probably probably got another quarterback from the portal, which is what I was screaming for. And I I feel like he was all so obsessed with Joe Milton's arm. I feel like that was his main thing. He felt like he could hit more deep shots, but I I just don't know if that was totally realistic considering how much time you have in the pocket and uh, that everyone's going to be more prepared for that because they know that's what he can do. Everyone's dropping guys back in coverage. But that does open the run game at the same time. But still, I I, I think he would have... I, I think the best guy for a uh, Josh Heupel offense is a guy like Hooker, a guy that's you know smart and quick and good at hitting those mid-range passes and can hit the deep ball, but that's not all they're there for. Pretty much. You know, we, we've heard a lot, and you guys may have heard a lot too, about how some guys are not very good in practice, but the lights come on and it, it clicks. Josh like, I heard, like Josh Dobbs is a perfect example. Growing up, Casey Clawson was the one that I always heard was a terrible practice quarterback, but then he would get into a game and he, he would just ball out, right? I think the thing with Milton is that he's a really good practice quarterback, and I think there's two reasons why he is that. Is Number one, as we've seen so far, he can't read a defense. Like he clearly can't read a defense. Okay. He can't see a safety where the safeties are playing at. Two, he doesn't have great pocket awareness. And sometimes he'll take a bad sack because of it. Well, in practice, guess what you're not doing? In practice, you're not reading a defense because you know what the defense is running. They like they they scheme each other up to practice against each other. So you know what they're doing. And the second thing is you don't get hit in practice. So he doesn't have to worry about pocket awareness or escaping the pocket because he knows I'm not going to get hit. 
So then I think you carry that over to a game, and now he's having to read a defense, which you can't do, and you see the interceptions or almost interceptions, and then the, the bad pocket awareness shows up because now he can get hit and somebody is coming after him. And that's why I think it doesn't – that's why I think Heupel's been fooled twice. It's because, okay, yeah, in practice he looks great. But then he gets in the game and the, the bullets start flying. There, there you go. Hang on, Jordan. Unmute yourself, Jordan. There you go. Continue what you were saying. You muted yourself while you're talking. Oh, my bad. Uh, I was just saying that I, I just feel like, you know, once the lot boils start going to the game, Milton does he doesn't think quick enough or understand something quick enough to be able to adjust on the fly to be able to get it because. I'll go back – like I've been going back and I – like, I love going back and watching the games and trying to figure out what we're doing schematically against the defense, right? A lot of the times pre-snap, Milton is making the right read pre-snap. But it's after the ball snapped and the defense is adjusting to go to their zones or, or changing something up, he doesn't read it well post-snap after the fact. Like the Texas A&M game when he threw the pick in the end zone, the safety was walking up. Like he was going to come, like he was coming on a blitz, right? So yeah, that post pattern to the back of the end zone should be open, but after the ball snapped, he bails back into a zone. Milton doesn't see it because he doesn't read it right, and he throws it right to the guy. That's the type of stuff that he doesn't do very well. Yeah, and and me, and sitting there about a half a second too long in the pocket when Alabama got that guy free, and they did had the strip snack sack fumble, and I mean I didn't feel like he did that. He had a lot of mistakes this past weekend, but. There were a few. Uh, the the sack in the red zone that was pretty bad. I feel like he wasn't comfortable going anywhere with the ball. I was he. I feel like we are digging on him a lot. He he did just play his best game, but it's it's the truth of why this season is, is different than the rest of for Josh Heupel. I do question wonder why though Josh Heupel <clears throat> and this guy has been a, was a college quarterback and was a coach in several roles, always with offense for the past since 2000 or 2001. You wonder how he could have been fooled twice by this guy. And I feel like I we all saw it in the two games Milton started for him. We saw that he had really a lot of trouble with his offense, especially against bowling. I mean, we had trouble with bowling green until we just said, screw it, we'll run it. And that's what we had to do. He couldn't get any gain. He couldn't make anything happen with a passing game against Bowling Green and then had the same trouble against Pittsburgh. He's not overthrowing guys this year. I'll give him that. It's That was his biggest issue. And But he's just – his trouble to read defenses, his uh, accuracy is still an issue. I mean, we don't trust him throwing the red zone at all, hardly. It It's – it is what it is. The running backs, holy crap, they were amazing this game. Samson, that one drive, uh, dude, he, he he put the whole team on his back. That They had the shovel pass where he bounced off the first guy. I think it was like second and 11 or second and 15. He bounced off the first guy and then just ran for 16 or 17 yards. Uh, I he, He's so hard to tackle. Our guys are so hard to tackle. I'm kind of worried. Um, I know Samson, he... Uh, he was the last guy out of the locker room for the second half and didn't play at all in the second half. You wonder if his health is okay. I, I, I didn't see an injury, but they I've heard talks of that he he didn't play in the whole second half for a reason. So you really hope you have him 
thankfully we play UConn this coming week and you can just you can just do whatever. I mean, I mean, we should we should be able to do whatever we want. Yeah. Should really really if I'm going through UConn's schedule, they are one in seven, yeah. but the most points they've actually let up is 41. That was Duke at UConn. They played at UConn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah, they're, they're in close games. It's kind of weird. on the right on the right energy, uh, injury potential injury. I wouldn't even play him this weekend. Yeah, like, yeah. Wow. I, I would. I would. I would just play it. small and and Samson and maybe even some of your backups like Selden uh, or something Selden. and just let them get a run and make sure Jalen Wright is ready for the Missouri game. Another quick note on the Kentucky game is like you know last year leading to the game, I think it was Will Levis made the comment. Will Levis, by the way, Rainey, are you ready to buy you a Levis jersey? Big big game on Sunday. Oh, I've already pre-ordered. Uh, <laughs> Amazon Prime Day, but was it was it Le, was it Levis last year that said Kentucky plays real football? Is that who said that last yeah, year? Yeah, 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 that was him. Yeah. What I love about our past That's why two they wins fired their OC. <laughs> what I love about our past two wins over Kentucky is they like to pride themselves on a running physical football team. In the past two wins over them, we literally have ran it down their throat and beat them at their own game. The you, know what, two, you know what? You know what's really time. you know what's really funny, Jordan and Austin. It's like. Just to just to go back to the KSR guys, I don't know who it was who who cares who it is. Don't want to mention their names because we don't want to give them the spotlight. But one of the guys is talking about, well, did you see Will Levis Sunday light up the Titans? What the hell does that have to do with Kentucky losing? No, the, like whatever you got to do to cope to make yourself feel better. Go ahead. The guy I mean, said, uh, uh, "Hidden Hooker could never." I'm like. Uh, didn't you see him torch you? It's <laughs> I know he's just trolling, but still, I just it, it's crazy. That's what they got to hang their hat on. Here's the funny thing to me, though. I would be like, imagine if Peyton Manning at Tennessee was horrible, <laughs> and then he goes to the NFL and wins two Super Bowls and maybe top top three quarterback in the history of time. But from us, he gave us nothing hardly on the field. I mean, one good season of. Uh, and then the Citrus Bowl, and then you lost to Vandy, and you got your asshole by Tennessee and Missouri, and and put you in a bad game against Iowa. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I for me, I, I I don't base how much I liked my quarterback on how he plays in the NFL. I base how much I like my quarterback by how he played in college. That's that's just me. I will well, say, yeah, last yeah, year I mean, you wasn't healthy or whatever. It's just NFL is just such a. That's such a weird thing. I mean, so and weird. we don't know. I mean, he, he had a great game. A lot of guys have one great game. We'll see how it goes. He yeah. does look good. He looked very good. He looked look super very good. good. Um, it's weird. It's so weird to like him or have to like kind of root for him now. It's weird. I just yeah, just one one more quick thing uh until, until we transition into basketball here. On him so much. Uh, Jordan's favorite. <laughs> Get Jordan to talk a lot about the the game on Saturday. Um, but can the Titans just get away from those gaudy uniforms they have and just have the color scheme of the Oilers? Like, for the love of all things holy, can you please get rid of those other jerseys and go with that color scheme right then and there? Mm-hmm. Like, that you don't – I the, the prettiest jerseys, some of the prettiest jerseys I've ever seen in my entire life. Are those Oilers? I mean, just that color scheme in general is absolutely gorgeous. I love. I one hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree, Randy. Like I, their current uniforms and the helmet, I, man, I just they're awful. Like the the random silver on the paint. I get it. I understand their Nike, Nike's reasoning why they have the silver. Like I get it. 
but it's awful. Like the random silver patch on the pants is absolutely terrible. Makes no, it makes no sense. The the shoulders, it's just it's a whole horrible look. But that Oilers look, that needs to be. All you gotta do is take the oil rig off and put the Titans logo on there. Yeah, so put that thumbtack. Put the thumbtack logo on there and just re redo yeah. the colors. I mean, yeah. how amazing that would look. You know, I mean, yeah, I never even thought about that. Like, I always thought they had to be the Tennessee Oilers to do that. But you could just keep everything else and put a T. And yes, or, yes, not a power well, team. But. I mean, that, I mean that the logo here behind me, uh, on, on our live screen, our live feed is is the thumbtack logo. Just switch the color. That's a good logo. Just switch the colors. Yes. And All you gotta great. do to, is take the older uniform that they wore yesterday, take the old rig off, and put the thumbtack on. Yep, and it, that is and so all. That's all you have to do. That's is it. it. Yeah, I I don't like what they've what they are right now i mean and that's my that's one of the things i actually don't like about the nfl i know this is gonna sound weird but i hate some of their uniforms the jets the falcons the the freaking ravens i just they, they don't feel like old I, I i like traditional teams you know i like watching penn state play texas play oklahoma play and there are some teams like that in the nfl the steelers the packers but i feel like there's too many Titan Panthers, those kind of uniforms. And for me, those just kind of give a vibe of, okay, a bunch of guys just said, this is what we're going to call a team. And they, it was not born organically. It was very, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about Nike. Like when Tennessee first went to Nike, I was all about it. I loved it. Cause not Nike's the thing. They're terrible at yeah. designing jerseys. They're absolutely awful. I designed it. This is every really sport, are. right? This is NBA uh, college NFL. They're terrible at it. Like, the Seahawks, those '90s throwbacks that they wore God. are ten times better than what they oh wear right now. Right? Like even even the Falcons, like when they wear the red helmet from like mm-hmm. the late '80s, early '90s with their black uniform and white pants, is better than the crap they wear right now. Like you can almost pull any uniform out of the '90s and let them wear it today, and it looks better than what just, they are wearing right now. Just the '90s in general, like even the NBA. Just yes. the logos and just the 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 just the everything was so so beautiful. I remember being a little kid. I was like it was like ninety eight. I wasn't like too little, but I was I was little. It was like 97, 98, somewhere around that that time period. I remember looking at my dad when the Broncos changed their uniforms, and I was little. I was like, those are horrible. <laughs> like, like why do you change something so good? Like the throwback Broncos nineties were so good. Why do you change that? Like, I don't get it. You're ruining a good thing. I feel like, to me, I I could be wrong. I don't know how it works on the inside. I don't know any of that. But to me, it feels like Nike designs these uniforms and doesn't even ask anybody that actually cares about the teams, doesn't actually care about anyone that's from there, doesn't, doesn't, they want to put their own stamp on it. Like, oh my, I, I, I like, okay, I would rather be in Nike school than anything else because I do think, quality uniform is the best i think their uniforms look the best in terms of just quality i hate under armor looks cheap they their, their stuff just looks cheap to me and same with the adidas is even worse i'm not gonna i'm not gonna have our team wear new balance jerseys <laughs> so uh but yeah I, I i feel like some teams maybe have their own opinions on it i feel like florida usually gets what they want from nike it, there's their throwbacks look pretty good and whatnot in Michigan, maybe too. Maybe it's the Jordan schools. I don't know. It's Jordan. But, they both have Jordan. Yeah, that, that might be it. Oklahoma looks okay too. But some some teams, it just feels like they're trying way too much. Like I don't know how y'all felt, but I thought the 
uniforms we wore against Austin P were the worst uniforms in the history of Tennessee football. And they try to tell me it was a throwback. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, looking like from Tron or something. And they want to tell me, oh, we're honoring College Hallway. We're wearing gray. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. What 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 he looks like a Power Ranger. Every every clip you ever <laughs> see at Conjures Holloway, he never wore those. He always wore the white with the orange top or you know, they, 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 I gotta and, get it. I and get just it. to put it out there, I do not want to wear Summit blue jerseys this Saturday. That would be no. a very bad move. Put a patch for Pat Summit, maybe your orange or blue sleeves, okay, whatever. Do not wear blue jerseys for the love of God. We're the University of Tennessee. We're not doing that. I well, there it is. Austin did not like Pat Summit, ladies and gentlemen. Roast him. God, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> we found out his food colors. Um, all right, let's let's transition to like the last 15, 20 minutes of this podcast. Um, I was I was kind of flipping back and forth to the the Tennessee basketball uh, did not count game versus Michigan State. Uh, with that in the Titans game, um, I watched majority of the Titans game more because it means more because it's a regular season game. But I also went back, watched some highlights, kept flipping back and forth. Uh, Dalton Not Connect. a VFL. Yeah, <laughs> the worst. Dalton Connect You're looks kicked like out of the vault. You can't ever do this. VFL, <laughs> vault for life. Uh, but Dalton Connect looks like a, a stud. He. Is one of those players that just takes upon himself to do what he wants, and it looked like it's working. Um, he put him on a poster. Yeah, man, he did. Beautiful, he did. man. He what put a, him on a poster. What a dude, man. He shook off the one guy. The one guy went for the steal. Then he dunked all over that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. little guy from Morrison, Colorado. I, I don't. I, he, I didn't. I thought this guy would be good. I, I didn't think he looked that good. And yes, I know it's an exhibition game. It's but they're a top four team. And yeah, I know Tyreek Key looked amazing against Gonzaga last year in that exhibition game. But I just I, I remember I watched some of our Lithuanian games. He wasn't what? aggressive. He's aggressive. Connect is aggressive. He wants yeah. to kill you. That best and, and you know like a Duke you, know, you know my thoughts or Wisconsin on what I think's gonna happen. I, I Jordan, you're gonna you just close your ears. I know you're a big Rick Barnes guy. Um, we'll see how this this progresses, and to see if Rick Barnes slows his play down. Like, oh, can't do that. That's too much. Like, I don't know. That's just how I feel about Rick Barnes and how it's gonna go. You get this player, and you're like, oh crap, he's amazing, and then it doesn't happen again because Rick Barnes makes him pass 555 times before they shoot. But Jordan, go ahead, give us your thoughts. I know you sent a text earlier about Meshack and all those players. How? He should be more of a defensive player, which Rick Warren should absolutely love. Uh, he shouldn't handle the ball. He shouldn't do this. He shouldn't do that. Break it down, my friend. Break it down. So, you know, I'm I'm excited for the season, very excited for the season, but I'm also, also cautiously optimistic because I know who the head coach is. Uh, and there's a lot of good toys to play with on this roster. The offense should be way better than what it has been the past three to four years. There's way more options to shoot the ball, to score the ball. Um, this team, I'm, I'm with Austin. I don't want to overreact to a scrimmage, right? Like we saw Tyreek Key light up Gonzaga last year. That, that was one hell of a scrimmage, season. though, I'll say. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you don't want to come out of that saying overreacting too much, but at the same time, what you saw in the scrimmage is 
if you guys, I'm, I don't know if you've seen what I've been saying all summer long, but that's what I've been saying all summer long is what the team should look like. Like once we landed Connect and we landed Jordan Gady, and and we, we got Vescovy back, I, just, I said this. That's what this team should look like, and it should only get better with the Sakai back and Vescovy back. And you have, as you were talking about the the text that I sent, Rainy. You have the pieces now to put guys in positions that should make them the most successful, right? Like last year, you didn't have a backup point guard behind Zakai, and that hurts you down the stretch. And you were playing some guys out of their position, which was Meshack for running some points. That's going to be running some points. Um, so now you have some guys in DeLeon and Zakai that can run the point spot. Mm-hmm. And you could put a Vescovy at the two and let him run around and come off screens and shoot the lights out of the ball. Meshack needs to play the three and focus on defense and steals and rebounds. And then if he be a slasher towards the basket and a little bit of a pull, pull up mid range game, um, he doesn't not, he does not need to be bringing the ball up as a point guard. Um, this team, it oozes potential. Like it has. This is the this is the best roster construction Rick has done since Grant and Admiral walked off that campus. This is the deepest, most talented team he's had since Grant and Admiral walked off that campus. Um, they're the preseason favorites in the SEC, and they should be. They're a preseason top ten team, and they should be. And it's not out of the question to expect an elite eight uh, an elite eight appearance. But, but, as <laughs> Rainey said, <laughs> big but that guy. Rick Barnes is still the head coach, and I do worry, as as Rainey said, of him pulling the reins back on Connect and pulling the rain back, the reins back on Ganey and trying to slow the team down. Because one of the things that I was most impressive with in that scrimmage is we actually got out and ran up and down the court offensively. We would get a rebound or get a steal, and we would take off to yep. get easy transition buckets, and that's what we've needed for the past few years. And that's fun. That's exciting. But I want to see it in the regular season. I want to see that throughout the regular season, and I want to see that in January and February towards the end of the season because one thing we know with Rick, his team's peak in December and January. And then come February, they start falling off. So, you know, we got a long season coming up. There's a lot to be excited about, but I'm also also cautiously optimistic. Uh, th- that's, about, that's about where everyone should be. So – what do you think the starting five is? Uh, is it is it Zakai, Santi, Triple J, Connect, and Adu? Would you say that's starting five? Yeah, that should be the starting five. Yeah. Do you think? Then, I, I'm worried that they'll try to bench Connect. They, if they bench Connect, I will. That I, I'm. I've said all summer long. This is this it, to me is my last straw with Rick. Like this is like he. There's no excuses. There's no. There's no excuses. Like he. He has no excuse. Wait, was was I completely wrong? I thought you were like a, a Rick Barnes like fanatic over here. Or is that who is that? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fanatic. I think he's the best. I think he's our. Oh, no, he's I, a, I, don't, I don't have a better option. I don't have a better option. Like people, they're like, oh my god, you're crazy for being for real, like realistic. Like this. This is what it is, guys. Like I'm sorry. I'm I'm firmly in the middle. Like I, on one hand. I believe he's the best basketball coach we've ever had. Yes, oh. I believe he's better than Bruce Pearl. Like he's the best basketball coach we've ever had. He's elevated this program to 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 consistency and at heights it's never been before. And he has set it up to to, to succeed after he retires. He's wow. made it sexy. He's made it very. He's sexy. made it. He's he's made it a very sexy potential place for the mm-hmm. next coach. So yep. all that's there. 
a very, very successful regular season basketball team with him, and it's going to be very, very fun. But on the flip side, I also know who he is when it comes March, and I also know what's on the other side of that door once the NCAA tournament comes around. And I told myself after Grant Admiral got knocked out by Purdue that I was not going to get myself excited about March anymore, that I would, I would enjoy the regular season, but once March comes, I knew what was coming. But that Kennedy Chandler team, when they went on that run down the end of the season and won the SC tournament, I got my hopes back up. And when we lost to Michigan, man, it, it, it completely broke my heart when we lost that game. Like, it crushed me. And uh, we were there. That's how much faith we had. Yeah. Um, Brutal. Yeah. And got Michigan never did anything bad to us ever again. Yeah. From that point forward, I told myself, I, I'm, not doing, I'm not getting myself up for March anymore. So, that's where I'm at with Rick. That's well said. <laughs> That's that's perfectly said. That's my mindset. I just can't get up. I can't get up for it because of what you just said. When March rolls around, that's what it is. That's how it is. And uh, another kind of opinion that I have, and I'm super excited after watching that scrimmage game. Like you said, Jordan, like that, that's the kind of team we need. We need to, we need to run the floor. We need to, we need to enough of this, this bull crap stopping mid transition and setting a play up, man. Just go. I'm so sick of it. Go. Like go. Yeah. go. Get fouled. I don't care. Yeah, that, that is the ultimate thing I have against Barnes at times is the fact that you don't let the offense just run the floor. I, I do know that there's been talks. The whole focus of this offseason was making sure was to improve the offense because clearly that was has been a major issue the past three seasons. And I I hope we keep he keeps the word. He keeps the, his word on that because uh yeah, we I, I I love having a top ten Ken Palm defense, whatever that every championship team has one basically, but at the same time you gotta keep it up on offense. What is what is the stat like? Top every national champion in the past ten years has had a top twenty offense and defense for. Top yeah, wasn't well, you, you said Ken that Palm. stat right, Jordan? It's uh every national since Ken Palm became a thing, which is like two thousand and one or two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every national champion. Has had a top thirty offense and a top thirty defense. Okay, 30, is 30. the is the Kenny Chandler team the last team we had that fit that mold? Um, I don't think they were top thirty in offense. I think they were right around thirty three or thirty four. Yeah, you said you I were think. talking at the you were talking at the tailgate, and it was just a hair below. Yeah, I think the last team that had both, I think, was the Grant Admiral team that lost to Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen. Is the last team that had both. He gets. Barnes just gets in his own way. I'm, I know we're going back on a game that happened five years ago or whatever. But, uh, not playing Grant in overtime. And I, I'll say we shouldn't have gone to overtime. That wasn't a foul on Lamonte. That he didn't affect that shot at all, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> uh, either way, I, I, I don't get why Grant sat in the bench the whole overtime. He just feels like, I don't know. He, he just can't be stubborn here. He can't. He can't. The thing, another thing that drives me crazy sometimes is he will not take timeouts when teams are on big runs. Yes, and he will take guys out when they're hot. I, he, even in this scrimmage, he took out Connect right after he made that huge dunk. Uh, I, I don't get that. I've never understood that. But I, I, I tend to defend it with Randy because Randy, Randy really goes hard in on Rick. And I, I, I'm just saying he's the best option. I, I don't have a better option unless you, you can uh, the, hire. The, the, oh, unless you're right. Once the job the only reason, not about leaving Rick. 
the only know? reason I go hard on him is because you know it gets to a it gets to a certain point where it's just like okay th- this isn't working man okay you, you, the, this is why you got canned at Texas because they just got they they got tired of it it got old after a while and uh, and it's starting what what is this year ten for him nine ten what year is this for him it's like it's eight I think eight or nine it's eight or nine somewhere I, in that range eight or nine somewhere eight, yes, somewhere around there it's so. Get to that. It's getting to that the point where it's just like, okay, uh, we need to try something new here, and it goes back to what you both said: running the court, run the floor. We can't do this, you know, getting set up, slowing everything down, letting the whole entire defense get back so they they just man us up. You know, I just you know, I, I got to see something different, and I love basketball season. I love freaking basketball season. I love it's. It excites me just as much on a college game day, football Saturday, as getting up and there's college basketball on all day too as well. Like it's just it's 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 just as exciting for me. I freaking love it. So I'm I'm a college basketball nerd. Like I even love like the mid major games. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 oh, I nothing's more championship. I love college basketball. Championship oh, it's, it's amazing. Is, is it's amazing. All every buzzer beater, every little. It's like, beautiful. You, just I mean, it's the only time of year I have ESPN Plus. You can't <laughs> I mean, it's 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 addicting. I will say, just being w- watching just Tennessee though. Sometimes I kind of hate that our mentality sometimes coming into these seasons as well. We better be good in March. We know we'll be good uh, up until then. You know, it, it all depends how that goes. And I get it though, because that's the one thing we haven't until done. Until it changes, you're we're, not going to change your mentality. We're, we're pretty used to being really good in. in oh. December, January. Now this is what, what are we about to make the one, two, three, four, five, six, six straight tournaments, I think under Barnes. And I mean, that's great and consistent and success. I think it's more than uh, more years in a row than uh, Bruce ever did. It is funny that the one year he wouldn't have made it, they actually didn't have a tournament, <laughs> but yeah. um, lucked out there. I mean, Rick literally, the, literally, the only thing missing off of Rick Barnes's resume at Tennessee is getting past the Sweet 16. But that's the only thing he's missing. I mean, he's done everything else. Like, we've won the regular season SEC title. We've won the tournament title. Like, mm-hmm. we have a winning record against Kentucky. We've been ranked number one on t- in two different seasons. Like, he's done everything there is to do here except get past the Sweet 16. That, that's the last hurdle that he has to get over. I, I almost feel like sometimes with these teams – it feels like the teams that will go deep are like the ones who just got hot at the end. Like I kind of feel yeah, similar about the Braves uh, and Brian Snicker. It feels like, okay, amazing regular season, amazing everything, and we just get our ass whooped right out the gate or later on. And uh, the one team that actually made it happen and defied all odds was the one that just barely got in with a bunch of new pieces and got hot like i feel like getting hot at the right time is the biggest thing here and we always get hot in J- december or january so i don't know how we'll go obviously i think we're good i think we're, we're really good i think we should win the sec i think we're the deepest team in the entire country and even we it could have been even deeper we didn't get that guy from harvard he uh came for what five months here and then he had to leave because of a family issue i think yeah so um, we could be even deeper. And just judging by what we saw against Michigan State without Santiago and Zakai, 
it, you clearly see how good we can be. And thank God we have DeLeon and Ganey, so Sakai doesn't have to play 40 minutes a night. I mean, we were at that point. That's why maybe that's why he got injured. A, a couple like, of things, like the year. a couple of things with the March thing this year. Okay, one, like you said, Austin, we're extremely deep. We can go ten or eleven deep. Okay, that's going to help you come March because you have obviously a bunch of guys that can go in and play. Two, you're one of the most experienced teams in all of college basketball. Like you are a veteran, experienced-led team. That's going to help you again come March. And three, what is the saying that we always hear come March? It's all about guard play. And guess what you have an abundance of this season? You have a bunch of guards that are experienced and that they can play. So, like, as I said a few minutes ago, this is it with me. Like, he has no excuse. There, there is no excuse. Like, you have the talent. You have the, you have the experience. You have the roster. You have the depth. There is no excuse come, come February March this year. Love it. Would you say that this team is more talented and deeper than the Kenny and Chandler team? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Depth-wise? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kennedy may be the best talent. Like yeah. if you compare those two teams, Kennedy's probably the best top end talent. But when you talk about overall everything, this team is better and deeper than that team. Do you feel like this team is better off with or without Olivier Neros? Without. Yeah, I, I agree without. totally. Do you, I kind of, I kind of got the vibe we almost pushed Olivier out. We were kind of sick of the. Sometimes he'll play well. Sometimes, but that's one 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 out of every ten games he'll play decent. I will also say a blessing in disguise too that I feel like it's going to help Tennessee this year, and it's going to force Rick Barnes's hand is that we don't have a lot of post depth, mm-hmm. and he loves to play two bigs in his that's, motion offense. Yep, that's big. He Boom. loves to play two bigs in his motion offense. Right, he wants to play the old school basketball, throw it inside. He may not be able to this year because all you have is Adu and Awaka and two freshmen. And yeah. Adu and Awaka tend to get in foul trouble. And here, here's 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 and that's that that's Jordan. That's such a freaking good point because the amount of times I've sat there and said, "Let your athletes be athletes, man. Let them do athletic things." Yeah. And they can't because they're they're playing that inside, you know, two 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 big men inside, like just trying to you know passing just, around. Yeah, it's just trying to make something happen. I I, I do the offense that's a little behind the That's not That's not modern basketball. Like that's a no, 20 no. years ago basketball thinking. That is not basketball in 2020. Basketball in no. 2023 is about spreading the floor out, getting one-on-one matchups, right? Getting to the getting to the rim or shooting threes. It's not about the mid-range anymore. Mm-hmm. And he loves the mid-range game. He loves to dump it into the post to his two bigs. And I think a blessing in disguise is Olivier transferring, Euros running out of eligibility, and you know Ledlam leaving is another one too. I think is a blessing in disguise because that's going to force him to play either Connect or Josiah Jordan at the four. So he's going to go. He's going to have to go to a small, small ball what, lineup, right? Four see, guards. What, with what, do, you, what do you feel like? Do you think it was his decision to kind of put a team together like this, or do you think it was influence from outside, or maybe? I don't know. That's a good no. question. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think it, this feels like a team he didn't put together. You know? I mean, Rick Barnes, you're not going to influence Rick Barnes to do anything. Like we said, he's stubborn. Mm-hmm. He's going to do what he wants. No one's going to be like, "Hey, Rick Barnes, this is you better build your team this way or else." That's not no. I I, I wonder how much influence the staff has over him, though. You know, if None. if anyone 
Justin Gainey, maybe, or whatever his name is. Um, He's Rick Barnes. He's one encouraging thing that, and I even said it in a text message earlier when I sent to you guys, one encouraging thing that I hope we continue to see in the regular season from the scrimmage, Adu stepped out and knocked down a three. Yeah. I would love – Yes. I would love, love, love if Barnes gives him the green light to step out and shoot that because Adu can shoot that. You saw it a couple of times last year, top Mm -hmm. of the key – Right yeah. there, he can. If he can let Adu stretch the floor and draw a big out of the paint and allow that, that gives you room to let Zakai and connect and gaining slash to the basket and get Agreed. easy looks because there's no big down there to to you know block a shot or alter a shot. Let Adu take. If it was me, if I'm Barnes, I'm telling Adu, give me take two or three of those a game. Just take two or three of them a game. And if you hit, I don't care if you go zero for three or one for three. Give me two or three of those a game to draw your guy out of the yeah. paint and give us room to slash to the basket. Yeah, because you got to prepare for that. It's like it's like oh, he's like you know you can see it so many times in basketball. My guy's not going to shoot that. I ain't got to worry about it. They just kind of stand back, like you said. Give him like two or three of those a game. I know we tried. We tried that some with Huntley Hatfield, but uh, it looks a little different this time. Yeah, I will say I, I it was a scrimmage. It was a scrimmage, but it was pretty encouraging. I know we didn't seem to have as many droughts. I, I think there was one drought at the end of the near the end of the f- first half, but outside of that, it was pretty good flowing. And droughts are what Barnes teams are known for, seems to be. Yeah, they need to clean that up. Those droughts are bad. They're bad, bad, bad. Um, but all right, guys, you got anything else before we wrap this up? I'm going to the game tomorrow. I know my majority of you listen to this podcast was already passed by the time the game is over the game tomorrow halloween there's a basketball game yeah exhibition at thompson bowling is it an exhibition game yes yeah 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 i'll be at the game saturday i'll be coming to the game saturday uh and then i'll be i'm I'm going to the basketball game which is the on monday night which is the first regular season game so yeah i'll be there i'll be there as well so, so I'm excited. we're taking we're taking yeah, our yeah, four right. year old to his first ever Tennessee football game. Uh-huh. So I'm excited. There you go. Well, maybe uh, on Monday I'll see you, Jordan. But definitely we'll see you guys Saturday. G10 tailgate. Let's go have some fun. Drink some beer and hopefully we'll see Nico play. So <laughs> hopefully. Good old Gino. Love of God. Love of God. All right, guys, I'm Randy alongside Austin and alongside Jordan. We'll do it again next week. It's been fun. God bless. Go Vols. Good night. Peace.